morning, church. Are you glad to be in God's house today? Let's stand and worship together today. Let's put on our garment of praise and cast off that spirit of heaviness and just worship him today and give him all the glory, okay?
Maybe you're not walking in them today, but you can walk in them. Wherever you are, whoever you are, God has a place for you, a special place. Amen. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, thus says the Lord, stand by the road and look and ask for the ancient path where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your soul. There's a path that God has laid out for every one of us. There's a path that he has for you. There's an anointing that he has for you. There's a gifting that he has for you. And there's a calling that he has for you. That word ancient is everlasting. It's sometimes hidden. And God reveals it as we step on the path. Amen. But this stood out to me. The word way it's actually roads in some translation and it's way in other translations. That means to tread on as a bow, a bow bender, to press, to bend with the foot. This is what I think God is saying. There's a place if you allow him to empower you and fill you and you begin to walk in what he has for you, that you will bend the bows of the enemy as they come against you that the things that the enemy sends against you won't be able to stand. It will have to leave. It will have to bow. It will be broken. It will be pressed under your foot because you're walking in what God has for you. Amen. I feel like God is saying it's a time where my people need to step it up. It's a time where my people need to come forward. It's a time where my people need to let me empower them in a new way. It's time to raise the bar as children of God so that we can walk in all he has, not just for us because there's a harvest that's coming and what he wants is for us to get where we need to be so we can work for those who are coming into the harvest. Amen. So I'm challenging you step into your call. Maybe the enemy is telling you that you can't. Maybe he's telling you that you need to sit down. Maybe he's telling you that someone else is able, but my call is not your call. Your call is not my call, but I'm saying stand up and walk in your call and watch God bend the bow of the enemy under your feet.
The resurrected King 
triumph. Come on, shout with the voice of triumph today. Come on. By your spirit I will rise. By your spirit I will rise. The resurrected king is resurrecting you today. Come on, will you sing that again? Can we sing that again? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, give me a little bit of space. Give me a little space this morning. I need you to social distance just a little bit because I'm feeling something in the atmosphere today. The Spirit of God is here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. He's going to sing this again, and I want you to lift up your hands, and I want you to lift up your voice, and I want you to sing this as if the battle has already been won. Sometimes you got to praise in faith. And today you might need to just take that step and say, God, I don't see the victory, but I'm going to praise you. Anyways, come on, come on, Matt, sing that right now. Come on, sing it out, church. Come on, you sing it. The resurrected King is resurrecting me, and in your name I come the resurrected king is resurrecting me and by your spirit i will rise from the ashes of defeat the resurrected king is resurrecting me and in your name i come Lift your voice. Just the drum. Sing it out. By your spirit, I Come on, church, sing it. From the ashes of defeat. The resurrected. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. And in your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King. Come on, sing it out. Is sing it again. give Jesus a hand clap of praise in the house today. Come on, do this with me. Come on, begin to declare the name of Jesus. Come on, say, Jesus, in your name I come alive. In your name I come alive. There's power in the name of Jesus. We declare power in the name of Jesus over sickness today. We declare the power in the name of Jesus over depression today. We declare power in the name of Jesus over whatever you're facing. Lord, you have made us victorious. Lord, your word says that some trust in chariots. And some trust in horses. But Lord, we trust in the name of the Lord today. Come on and give him praise in the house. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And you've heard me say this. You've heard this over the last few weeks. Jesus is the more. He doesn't want you to be status quo, but he wants to give you more. So today in faith, today in faith, right where you're at, while the Spirit of God is moving up and down these aisles and through this place and 
touching your heart right now? Can we just stretch our hands towards heaven and say, God, we're ready for more. We're ready for more. God, I'm opening my heart today, God, for more. God, what you have for my family, God, I'll take the more. God, what you have for my business, God, I'll take the more. What you have for my marriage, God, I'll take the more. God, what you have for our church, God, what you have for my calling, God, I'll take the more. Life more abundantly, God, we declare it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus, today. Lord, we give praise to your name. Praise to the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, can you give him one more hand clap of praise today? Look at your neighbor. I want you to do something different. Instead of giving them a fist bump, instead of looking at it, I want you to do machine guns at them. Okay? That way you don't have to touch them. And you can actually do machine guns across the, the church. Find someone across the church and do machine guns at today. It's so good to see you today. You may be seated today. What an honor it is to be here in the house of the Lord. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? I am. I don't know about you, but I could feel the tangible presence of the Lord in this place today. And God is so good. How many know that God is good? God is good. He is, he is moving. Sometimes we don't always see it with our own eyes, but God is up to something. How many know that? How many believe that today? Amen. Uh, I want to say, if you are a guest with us for the first time today, I want to welcome you today and let you know that we are so thrilled to have you today. And uh, if I don't, I, I, I want to preface this. I have not been going to the back of the church and shaking hands at the end of service because I am a terrible social distancer. I don't do it well. I tried and I thought I could do it well, and it's just against my nature. I want to hug everybody. I want to. I, I want to. I want to make a point of contact. I want to slap some people. I'm just kidding. That's not true. But I. Uh, and so, if if you don't see me out there today, uh, don't don't take it personal. It's it's really I'm down here struggling, trying not to go back there. But but I want to say uh, welcome to you today. If you are a guest with us, so church, can we give all of our guests a welcome today? And, Give all our guests online that are watching today a welcome today. We're so happy to see you and have you today. And uh, I just, I tell you what, it has been a, 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 a weird week. But I'm just being honest. It has been a weird week like nothing I have ever seen in my life before. Um, but I can tell you this. Start looking through the lens of faith. Start looking, turn your eyes towards Jesus. Turn your eyes towards Jesus. Let me repeat that one again. And uh, I tell you what, I have, I have nothing else. God has really just refocused my heart, my mind, and my spirit to look to him. And, you know, I, I, I love our nation, and uh, I still believe, and I said this Wednesday night, I believe that we live in the greatest nation in the world. That's just my, my personal opinion. We are not perfect. We know that. But can I tell you this, that God is up to something, and, and, and if we turn our eyes towards Jesus, if we keep our focus on Jesus, he will keep us, he will sustain us, and he will be with us. Amen? And so I say that, you know what, I may not be able to do something, uh, you know, up in Washington, D.C., but you know what I can do? I can pray, and when I pray, that moves things. And it was funny because I prayed um, early this week. I, I don't remember it was Tuesday night, whenever it was. The one thing that I prayed uh, on, on, on Tuesday night when I went to bed, and there was just a whole lot of stuff going on, and it was this, God, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I didn't pray specifically for this to happen or that to happen. I said, Lord, not my will, but, Lord, your will be done. Lord, let your kingdom come to earth. And that's what we need. Amen? Do you believe that today? I tell you what, I am, I am sparked. I'm ready to go today. I am fired up. And so if I get a little aggressive today, don't, don't, don't take it personal. Just take it that this guy has just been, 
I told you last week, God just started downloading stuff into my heart. And it's just kind of like been like a, a, a well just ready to come forth. And so um, we talked last week uh, about going in. And I, I made reference to the prophecy in Ezekiel and uh, how... Um, you know, the, the prophet went out uh, 1,750 feet was the translation that it read. And Zadie was so helpful in helping me read that last week. And uh, so the prophet went out, and he was ankle deep in the water. And then, then he was told to go 1,750 more feet, and then he was knee deep. And, I, and, and then, you know, another 1,750 feet, and then he was waist deep. And then he kept going until the water was over his head. And I talked about how coming into 2021, our goals should be to go all in for Jesus. And, and the thing about ankle deep church is they want the bare minimal of, of what God has. I, I, I'm going to heaven. I feel the presence of God, but I still have stability. And when the water's up to my knees, guess what? I still have a, my own stability. I'm still standing on my two own feet. When I get to my waist, guess what? It's, it's almost the same thing, but I'm losing a little bit. Have you ever been in a, in a heavy current where you're standing waist deep? It, it you know, can sometimes can start to push you back a little bit, but you could kind of hold your ground. But when you get into water that you can't touch and there's a current, guess what? You're going to go wherever the current wants you to go. And I say, God, let your spirit lead and guide us into 2021 for our church. Lord, I want to go all in, Lord. I want to go where your spirit is leading and not where man is leading, but where you want us to go. Amen? So that's what we talked a little bit about last week. And one of the verses that I used last week, and I just made reference to it. I told you I'd come back to it this week. Um, we're going to be in John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. And, and what I want to talk to you guys today is on this simple subject is living in the living water. We talked about going all in, but I want to talk about what it means to live in the living water water, okay? Live in the living water. Everyone look at your neighbor, machine gun to him, all right? Say, live in the living water. That's just kind of weird, isn't it? But it's okay. If you have it, say, I got it. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I want rivers of living water to flow out of my life. That's a good place to say amen. All right. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus is talking to his disciples here in John, and he is letting them know, hey, hey, the Spirit of God is coming. He's giving them just a little taste of what's about to happen. And, uh, but the Spirit of God could not come until Jesus completed his work, okay? We understand that. So Jesus, what he had to do was he had to live his life. He had to do his ministry, and he had to fulfill what God had called him to do. It brought him here for, which was this, to be the propitiation for our sins. What's that mean, TJ? To basically stand in the gap to pay the bill that you owed. That's what that means. Um, sin always demands a price. And so Jesus, what he did when he came to earth, he left heaven, he left the, the splendor of heaven and came down to earth to dwell among men, lived a perfect life, was crucified on a cross, died for your sins and matter of fact, he said on the cross, it is finished, talking about the work that he had come to complete, meaning that, that he, it is finished. And when he died on the cross, I talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night at our Bible study, that he took on your sin. And the sins of the world were on his shoulders. And it weighed on him until he finally, the scripture in the King James says, he gave up the ghost. And so he died, and when he did that, he was resurrected, and then he came back and he said, hey, I'm going away. And he, he had a few moments where he would meet with the disciples, and he had not yet ascended to heaven. So he, he talked to them and gave them encouragement, said, hey, I'm going away, but when I go away, I'm sending another one, which is the Holy Spirit will come, and which is paraclete. I talked a little bit about this last week, which is the word paraclete, which is a comfort, comforter or a counselor, talking about the Holy Spirit coming. And I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but, uh, but I want to talk to you about 
what it means to live and to walk in the Spirit of God. Okay? And so uh, let, me, let me just set, the, set this. In these scriptures that I read in John there where, where Jesus comes up, he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Um, in these scriptures, there's something that's amazing that's happening. Matter of fact, if you read it and if you are in a, some sort of Bible plan, you could just read this and zip through it and think, oh, that's really cool and, and totally miss a lot. And can I give you a little bit of advice? If you're on a reading plan this year in your Bible and you want to learn something about the Bible, stop speed reading the Bible and start s- slow down. Now, I'm just going to give you just a little bit of advice. You want, you, you want to go a little bit deeper and God slow down reading the Bible. Well, that takes time. Well, good. You'll learn something, and you won't just be doing it out of duty, okay? I've all, we've all been guilty of that, right? We just read it to read it sometimes. Oh, Lord, I read my scripture today, but I didn't really remember what I read. But slow down a little bit. And so this is, if we aren't careful, we can overlook this thing. So the setting here, and this is what we need to know, is the Feast of Tabernacles, okay? The Feast of Tabernacles, and you're like, oh, that's cool. I, I, why do I need to know this? I, uh, I'll tell you why here in just a minute. This, this is one of three major festivals celebrated in Jerusalem each year. And it was the happiest or the most joyful of the celebrations. So it would be kind of like the equivalent to our Christmas, I guess, you know. One of the most joyful days that we have. Uh, most of us love Christmas. Some of us don't. I don't know. If you don't like Christmas, then it's your 4th of July. I don't know. Just whatever your favorite holiday is. Whatever makes you, maybe it's your birthday. Maybe you're selfish, okay. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. So what they would do during this, this, this feast is uh, uh, they would do this. They would camp up in little like, like prop-up tents or pup tents as we would call them. And parents would bring their kids in and they would tell how God had miraculously brought the children of Israel or their ancestors for 40 years in the wilderness. Sometimes it's good to look back and remember where God brought you from. Amen. And that's what they would do. And they would tell of the pillar of fire. We know about that. that when, when Jesus led the, the children of Israel, he, he led with a pillar of fire. He, they would talk about the manna from the sky. And then also water from the rock. All right? And to commemorate the miraculous provision of water, a procession of priests would draw water from the pool of uh, Siloam and pour it on the floor of the temple courtyard each day of the festival. So this is what they would do. The priests would leave the temple. They would go all the way to the pool of Siloam, and they would take a pitcher of water. They would fill it up. They would walk back in ceremony back to the temple. They would go to the courtyard of the temple, and in symbolic, they would pour out this water on the floor. And all the ladies in the house said, why in the world would you make a mess right there, you know, right? And some guys, I guess. So, right? And so, anyways, so that's what they do. So they would be symbolically showing, hey, God, you sustained us for that time. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, he's going somewhere with this. Hang with him. All right. So, however, on the last day, or what they would call the greatest day, or the eighth day of the feast, they would go to the pool of Siloam with empty vessels. The the vessel would be empty, and they would go to the pool, and they would not fill it up this time, but they would literally just walk symbolically, and they would act like they were filling it up, and they would take like it was full and bring it back to uh, the courtyard in the temple, and then they would symbolically pour out nothing. It's like weird. Wow. Why Why does that make such a great day, right? And so in signifying that, what they would be saying there is, hey, guess what? We have went from the 40 years in the wilderness. God sustained us through that. Now we're in the promised land, and we no longer have to depend or totally, or we could thank God for what he did there in the desert. But and now we don't have to worry about water coming from the rock anymore, Okay. So the Feast of Tabernacles, not only, this is what it did, it not only commemorated the past, but it anticipated the future. It really did. And as the priest would symbolically pour out empty vessels on the last day, the high priest would read this. This is amazing. This is amazing to me. When I begin to research this and I begin to look at this, this, this blew my mind. Isaiah 44, 3 says this. For I will pour water on the thirsty land. And streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. So symbolically, on, on, on every day they would pour out water. On the last day they would do that. But they would always quote this verse. It's pretty amazing to me. So here at the climactic moment is where Jesus the Messiah would speak. And, and, it, uh, and in John 7, 37 through 39... 
the long-awaited Messiah. The Jews were waiting on the Messiah, okay? They're waiting on the Messiah. And everybody at this festival would have been waiting on the Messiah. And here Jesus, and there he is, and he declares it with authority, and they missed him. It, it blows my mind, it blows my mind that sometimes we miss the voice of God when God is clearly speaking to us, and we just miss it sometimes. And that's, where, that's what they did. So, uh, in this, uh, we know that here, they're in their midst, and inviting them, and, and, and Jesus is inviting them to come and to drink. And here's, uh, they're in their midst, and, and they're totally missing it. So, what they were symbolizing is what they begin to symbolize with their picture, he was getting ready to fulfill. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing to me. And can I tell you today that God is still inviting you and me to come and to drink from him. This was not just for their time. This is for you and me today. This, 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 it's going to come around, I promise. Okay? And uh, so I know that. So he said he would give to us not just water, not just the spirit within, but the water, the spirit would flow from us that others would know and also be refreshed. Let me ask you this question today. What is flowing from you today? What is flowing from you today? Can I tell you this? If nothing is flowing from you and you are a believer, can I tell you this? You are dry. I know it's quiet in here. I'm setting, I'm setting, I'm setting something up. You know, last week I told you that when Jesus died and he rose from the dead and he sent it into heaven, he told his followers that he would send a comforter, right? And I use that word paraclete, uh, which means comforter. And, and he told them, go and wait, right? Go and wait and you'll receive power. That word power there uh, tra is translated dunamis, which is the word that we get our word dynamite from. So he'll give you power, not just power, you know, like in our essence, but think of it in the form of dynamite. Dynamite can do a lot of, lot of crazy things, right? All you got to do is drive down Highway 37, and you could see where dynamite has been used to blow the rock and has cleared a path. So God is telling us, he's, he, Jesus is telling them, go and wait, and you will receive power, dunamis, to be what? My witnesses. Power to be my witnesses. And there they were filled with the Spirit, but not had, uh, and, and I believe this in John chapter 20, I believe that when you accept Jesus in your heart, you are filled with the Spirit. Now, don't get being filled with the Spirit at salvation confused with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Two different things, okay? And we would see later in Acts chapter 2 with the beginning of the church that that right there was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they would receive power. Can I tell you this? The Holy Spirit still will comfort you today. But can I tell you this? When he comforts you, he will also give you dynamic power to be Christ's witness. How many know that we need dynamic power in 2021 to be Christ's witnesses? I don't know about you. It's easy to be shaken. Can I give you a little bit of advice? Turn off the news. Turn off your social media. Love on your family. Have dinner around the table. Talk about the deer that are coming out and eating the acorns out of your yard. Last night, I woke up, and I looked out the window, and there was five deer eating all the acorns in my yard. And I was like, man, that's so cool. But anyways, God has called us to be his witness. So you have the, sp you have the spirit, but does, can I ask you this? You have the spirit, but does the spirit have you? If you believe in Jesus, I believe the Holy Spirit has taken residence in you, but does the Holy Spirit have you? Today I say he's still speaking the words of John, uh, that Jesus is still speaking the words of John 7, 37. And if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. Don't miss him like they did in that day. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just use me as an oracle today, God, to speak truth. God, I ask, Lord, the spirit of truth, Lord, that is in this house, Lord, would just go forth. God, I pray, Lord, that chains would be broken. God, I pray, Lord, that hearts would be lifted. God, I pray, Lord, that souls would be saved. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So I want to just talk to you about this. Living in the waters. Now, I'm going to make reference to something. That's, that's, my, that's my, my core 
verse there in John 7, 37 and, and, and through 39 there. But I want to talk to you. I'm going to take you back a little bit. Has anyone ever been thirsty before? You ever been in a place where you're thirsty and you couldn't get a drink? That is the pits. That is, that is one of the worst things. I lived out in California. Where I lived in California, we had hot weather. You're like, oh, you know, everyone thinks California is a bunch of beaches. Let me tell you, no, I lived in the desert in California. And you guys, you guys think it gets hot here? It does not get hot here. It's mild here in the summer. From when I was here in, in July, it was pretty mild compared to what I was used to. But there was days in the desert when I, I used to work in the oil fields. There was days out that I would be working out in the oil fields, and it would be hot, and it would be, you know, 115 degrees. Well, it's a dry heat. I don't care what kind of heat it is. It's still hot. The only difference between humidity and dry heat is this. When you're in dry heat, uh, your sweat evaporates, and you don't even realize you're sweating. That's the difference. You go to Florida, you're just going to keep sweating, your and you know you're sweating, right, all day long. Your shirt underneath the sweat is full. You, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't know what. But I remember one time, me and my friend, we decided he came to visit and I, and, uh, in our hometown, and uh, I hadn't seen him in a long time, but we decided to take a trip, and we, we didn't know what we were going to do. We're, we're kinda, we were just crazy. We're just best friends, and we just decided to go do something. And so we decided to drive to this monument, what they call the Carrizo Plains, uh, which is really close to where we live. And this thing was nothing but like a, uh, a big valley that was probably, I don't know, 30 miles long. And it, there was some old broke-down farm equipment there, maybe a, a broken-down uh, farmhouse. And there was this rock called the Painted Rock. And the reason they call it the Painted Rock is because all the birds would land there and paint it. And you know what I'm saying? Okay, good. Some of you are with me. And, and then um, so we decided to go to the Carrizo Plate. I don't even know why. That was just dumb now that I think about it because there really wasn't much to see up there. But we always had fun. And I remember we stopped. I stopped and got gas before we, we left to go up there. And I stopped at the gas station, and I told my friend, I said, go in and um, get us something to drink. And he's like, I know what I'm going to get you guys, or get us. And I was like, okay. And so he comes out, and there's this thing. I don't know if they sell them here, but there's this thing in California that you can get. It's called a cactus cooler. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's non-alcoholic, just so you know. It's a soda, okay? It's called cactus cooler. And, and, and he brings out this cactus cooler, and I'm like, man. This is not what I want to be having to drink drink all day. And so, anyways, I didn't think much of it. So I just kind of got, got in the car, and we took off, and we went to the Carrizo Plains. We had about a 20-mile drive, whatever it was. We got up to this place. And listen, the Carrizo Plains was a dirt road through 25 miles of a valley. Nothing to it, really. And we decided, we're going to go see what's going on up there. I'm glad I did. I'll never go back. And in the process of going up there, we... I don't know, I stopped the car in the middle of the road because you know what? There was nobody out there. And, uh, and there was this little, like, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a mountain, but there was this, this stack of rocks that, uh, and, and me and him, we just, listen, I was young. We just felt compelled to go climb it. Anybody ever done something stupid like that? Okay. That thing was taller than what we had anticipated. Because when we finally got to it, we realized, oh, man. And I remember we were, we were just tired. We were wore out trying to climb it. We made it to the top. But by the time I got back to the truck, I had realized that I had not rationed my cactus cooler to the appropriate amount, and I was almost out of a drink. And so we did some other things, and we ran around. We went to the painted rock and climbed all over it and then saw the sign that you weren't supposed to climb on it after the fact. Sorry. Um, but anyway, so we did that. But I remember... I, Running out of my drink that day, and if you know me, and people that know me well know that I do not drink after anybody. I don't even like drinking after my wife. I'll kiss my wife, but I don't like drinking after my wife. Call that weird. I don't care. I don't like drinking after people. My kids kind of ruined me on that uh, when, they were, when they were young because, you know, they drink and they stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll leave that one right there. But I don't like drinking after people. And my friend's like, well, I've got plenty of cactus cooler if you want. I'm like, Bro, I think I would rather die than to drink that. And, uh, but anyways, have you ever been in a place where you've just found yourself dry and thirsty? I've been there. I've been there. And so I want to bring to you just three points. And go with me. Um, I, I, listen to this. A guy is lost in the desert. He's been walking for days. He's really thirsty when he finally sees a well and starts screaming, Water! Water! To which another guy pops his head up out of the well and asks, really, where? 
Can I at least get a courtesy laugh? All right, thank you. Man, I worked really hard on that one. I was, oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so have you ever been thirsty? I want to I talk to you. First point, number one. First, first point right here is this. Come to the rock. Everyone say, come to the rock. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, Jesus would say, come to me and drink. When we, uh, when we do drink of, of him, water begins to flow from us, right? So Exodus chapter 17, we know this story, right? The Israelites, they're out in the middle of the desert. They're thirsty. They're like TJ. They didn't ration their cactus cooler correctly out in the desert. And so they're out there, and they are thirsty. And poor Moses, being the great leader he is, dealing with whining constantly for 40 years and just constant, you know, we're thirsty, we're this. And so what does Moses do? He seeks the Lord, and the Lord tells him, hey, take your staff and, and hit the rock, Right? So he goes to the rock, and he hits the rock, and the water begins to flow, right? So there it is. So, and Moses, he strikes the rock in obedience to the Lord. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.4 that Christ was the rock that accompanied them, talking about the children of Israel there in the desert. Still today, I believe this, that Christ is still the rock. Do you believe that? Can I tell you, he's a sure foundation, You looking for somewhere to plant your feet right now? Plant it in Jesus. He's a sure foundation. Uh, Jesus would say, to the one who built on the stone was the one who heard the words of the Lord, right? And he put them into practice. Matthew 27, Jesus gave that parable, and he talked about the one who would build their house on the stone and the one who built their house on the sand. And when the waves came, guess who was still there and guess who wasn't? The one who had built their house on the sand, they began, they were wiped out. But the one who built their house and put their feet and their foundation into Jesus Christ, that's what he's getting at, into the words of the Lord, um, that you will withstand. Can I tell you something? If you're shaky, you find yourself shaky in your faith, I'm going to tell you, find out where your, where your feet are planted. Look down and say, hey, are my feet planted in Jesus Christ or are my feet planted in, uh, in my political party or are my feet planted in my political views or are my, are my feet planted? I want you to evaluate that. Say, hey, God, help me with that and help me to plant my feet in you. Can I tell you this? I can tell you someone who was not shaken this week, and that was Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer to all of our problems. I know that. And I've decided that I'm going to build my life on Jesus and, and on him alone. And all other ground is sinking sands, the old song would say, right? And we know that. So Moses, he'd strike the rock, and the water would come forth and allow the dry and thirsty people to get a drink. How many know that sometimes we just need to get a drink? Sometimes you just need to get a drink. So there they were. They had a physical need. God met their physical need. God wants to meet your physical needs. Can I tell you that this morning? Jesus was smitten on the cross of Calvary for mine and for your sins. And John 19.34 says that blood and water flowed from his side. This is amazing to me. While blood speaks of the cleansing of sin, I think I alluded to this last week. While blood speaks to the cleansing of sin, water speaks of the spirit of God. I told you that last week. Oftentimes in Scripture when you, you hear <laughs> water, it's, it's oftentimes talking about the Spirit of God. And I do this this week, a little homework for you. Go find out how much Jesus was around water. Pretty amazing. When you, when you begin to research that, you're going to find out he was around water a lot. The woman at the well, right? He washed his disciples' feet with water. Let's just keep going. I, I mean, I could keep going. But can I tell you this, on the cross, Jesus has already dealt with sin. We talked about him dealing with our sins and my sins, but he had, has already been smitten on the cross. So just like symbolically Moses went to the rock and he hit the rock and water began to flow, can I tell you this, that Jesus is the rock. And when he was smitten on the cross, blood to cleanse my sins went forth, cleanse your sins went forth, and water came from him. Can I tell you this? The first step to being filled with the, the Spirit is simply this. Most of you say, well, I, I, or to be baptized in the Spirit if you want to put it that way. But the first step to being filled with the Spirit is this, simply this. You got to be saved. You got to be saved. Come to the rock like the woman at the well. Remember the woman at the well? She was there. 
and you'll find your thirst quenched forevermore. So we are to simply come to the rock of Jesus. He is already smitten, and his blood covers your sins, and the Spirit of God will fill you with the water that Christ talked about to the woman at the well. So here's point number two, and I'm, I'm going to cruise through these pretty fast. Point number two, everyone say point number two. Number one was, was uh, come to the rock. Everyone say come to the rock. Point number two is speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Okay. Fast forward ahead, and if you go to Numbers 20, the Israelites were thirsty again. Oh, go figure. Right? And they're thirsty, and they're dry, and they're wandering in the wilderness. And, and Moses cried to the Lord, and God said, speak to the rock, and it will give water for for the people and cattle. See, God cares about your animals. And out of frustration, and, and listen, out of frustration, Moses does something here. He would raise his staff and he would stri- strike the rock twice and water would flow forth. It's weird to me. God told him to speak to it. But out of frustration because of what was going on, and he probably heard a lot of people murmuring and complaining. Can I tell you something? Your murmuring and complaining doesn't get a whole lot accomplished. Your praying does. But he heard a lot of people murmuring and complaining, and out of frustration, I think he knew he did what he thought would be the best thing and the best scenario, and he struck the rock twice. And I might add this. If you are a leader in any kind of capacity, and you're like, well, what does that mean? If you're a father or you're a mother, boy, this, this hit me like a ton of bricks. I just, uh, I, you just might, um, frustration, if you're a leader in any form, frustration may lead you to act, have you ever had something happen and frustration made you act in a way that you really aren't, isn't your character? And I believe that's what Moses did in this instance. He knew what God had told him to do, but what did he do? Not what God had told him to do. And he struck the rock. See, see, this is it. See, his disobedience would forfeit his feet reaching the promised land. It's amazing to me. God still allowed the water to flow, but Moses missed a moment there. And can I tell you this? If you're a leader or if you're a parent or whatever the case, if you are frustrated, you need to read James chapter 1, verse 19. And this is a good time to plug. We've been talking through James on Wednesday night. And I, I almost ended right here on, on uh, I think I went a couple more verses. But James chapter 1, verse 19, I, this, this, is a, this is a prophetic word for everybody on social media and everybody who's talking right now. James would say this, be slow, be quick to listen, slow to, and slow to, before you post it, before you say it, take a minute, ask God to, 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 Lord, Will you just help me use this filter? Can I use the filter of you today to help me stay on track? Because I think, man, there's a, I, see, I see so much division. Listen, I see not division in the world, but I see division in the church right now. And there's been moments where I wanted to say something, but I just thought, man, I'm, I'm going to do what James said. God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen, listen, you know, like that little boy. Listen, Linda, listen, Linda, listen, right? See, Moses' frustration led to disobedience, which led to the consequence of not making it into the promised land. You, what, a, what a forfeiting moment. What, what a simple thing he could have done, and he could have saw the promised land. Can I tell you this? Don't be frustrated. Don't be led by frustration, but ask God to help you 